We certainly spent a lot of time going up north as children. We did. And teenagers. Of course. And still. Sometimes. I actually haven't been since before the pandemic. Right. It's been a while. I've been one since then. We've gone up both in the, the summer and in the winters. In the summers, there's a lot of water activities you can do. Oh, yes. You know, tubing. Skiing. Sailing. Paddle boating. Jet skiing. Swimming. <laughs> Swimming. <laughs> I'd like to touch back on water skiing, though. Okay. Um, so we tried to be taught at younger ages how to yeah. water ski. They try and start you out in the lawn mm-hmm. so you can get a feel for how to stand up. Yeah, and you kind of get, like, you hold the pole rope so you can kind of get an idea of how you, like, stand up when you're in the water. Right. Because it's a little unnatural when you're trying to learn how to do it. Right. And and you and Austin picked it up relatively quick. I had a bit of a struggle. I I remember. I tried for a couple years and I just could never get fully stood up. Yeah, your problem wasn't, it's just that you could not get into the standing position. Right. Like I would get halfway up and then I would just fall back down mm-hmm. or I'd let go of the rope. Right. And I got to the point where I just so badly wanted to be able to do it. I don't remember who all was in the boat. I'm pretty sure Tara, one of I our... Was, I was in the boat. Yeah, Alyssa, and I'm pretty sure Tara, one of our previous uh, podcast guest hosts, was there as well. Austin may have also been in the boat right. as well. You know, I get, <laughs> I get... I start to get pulled. And I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really strong about this. I'm like, this is my time. This is my moment. This is my now. You were living in the moment. Yeah, I certainly was. And uh, <laughs> next thing I know, I'm fallen forward and I'm underwater being dragged, still holding that handle because I am not about to be a quitter. <laughs> From the boat. Because you you always have someone who's the spotter. So there's the driver, and since they're facing in the direction, you have someone who sits right behind the driver, so that way they can tell them, like, oh, like when you're tubing, oh, so-and-so fell out. Or if you're water skiing, like, so-and-so let go, or in your case, didn't make it up. The problem is that Hannah just, we just watched her sitting pulled forward, and then just nosedive, like, right into the water with her hands still holding on, and she's just getting dragged underwater. If you've ever seen Cheaper by the Dozen 2, yes. um, that's actually realistic, because that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> did not, it did not get dragged for that long. Yeah, it was probably, like, five seconds. And then someone yeah. said something, and yeah. then the boat stopped, and I came back above water. Yes. But Yeah. I think after that, I didn't try for a couple years. Oh, I was going to ask, did you try again eventually? I tried a a couple years ago. I got really close to getting up, and then (laughs) I had, like, multiple surgeries and never really was in the position where I could try again. Mm -hmm. But it's still my goal in life to finally stand up water skiing. Did you ever try wakeboarding? No. I think they they tried wakeboarding because they thought it might be easier for me to get up. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I, maybe I got like just up and then fell, but I've never actually like been able to fully stand up and, and like actually yeah. go, you know. Yeah. I have wakeboarded, I think once. I've water skied more than I have wakeboarded, but I feel like feel like wakeboarding is easier to get up than water skiing is, but it's harder to like the the body position is a bit weird because you have to like stand up straight and then turn yourself. Whereas water skiing, you just your face on like right. parallel with what's going on. Whereas water ski- or wakeboarding, you have to kind of like twist. twist. Yeah. So once um, you get up, yeah. Right. So I wonder if maybe that would be I don't know a little easier for you. But yeah, as an adult, that is my like ten year goal. Water ski. Yes. Stand up in the next ten years. Okay. I think that 
could probably make that happen. That's doable. Yeah, I think it's doable. But yeah, you know, gotta love sucking down that water. <laughs> yep, gotta love it. Stay hydrated. <laughs> Lake water. Stay hydrated. <laughs> Stay thirsty. Dos equis. Open the door, get on the floor, everybody walk the dinosaur. <laughs> Hannah, did that open a part of your brain that you forgot existed when you heard that song? Because I had like a portal open and I was transported back to 2009 and had this like out-of-body experience of how many times that song appeared in commercials on television in that time period and how many times I hated it and wanted it to go away and it never went away. <laughs> yeah, that brought back memories. But yeah, anyways, welcome! <laughs> this is Research Rank Repeat. I'm one of your co-hosts, Alyssa. This is co-host Hannah. And if you are not clear what's going on based on my uh, song... Hannah and I were given a suggestion to do a film series that we had some experience with, but certainly had not watched all the movies in. And that lovely movie franchise is Ice Age. Yeah, I had a coworker who suggested that we do this franchise and another one, which the other one I'm more excited about. Mm -hmm. um, will be done at some point. When I got suggested, I thought, oh, well, there's probably three or four movies. Can't be more than that. Yeah. Um, I googled it, realized there was six. Well, there was five with the sixth one coming out. It just came out, like, a week or two ago. Right. When this comes out. Yeah, it, it's very chilly. It certainly is a film franchise. And it's, uh, Ice Age. So, Hannah, we actually have a history with Ice Age. This is one of the first DVDs we owned was Ice Age. Yeah, I think it was probably, like, maybe one of the first, like, ten Within, yeah, DVDs for we sure. actually, like, physically owned. And I'm pretty sure we saw this in theaters. Yeah, we saw the original in theaters. I think I had seen... We also saw the second one the in second theaters. The second one. I, I very distinctly remember one scene, like, being in the movie theater watching it. What? The part where he plugs all the holes in water? Because I remember that. In the first movie? No, in the second one. Oh, I know. I don't remember that. I just okay. remember a scene with Ellie in it, is okay. what I remember from the second um, one. <laughs> and I don't think I had seen past two. I hadn't either. Because I did not remember the third one, and I certainly didn't watch anything past that. Oh, certainly not. Um, I think by the time those movies came out, we were older. Yes. And it wasn't really our... But we wouldn't have gone and seen them. Yeah, so we reached a certain age where we weren't really watching, like, a lot of movies designated for children. Now, certainly, I feel like Walt Disney and Pixar are sort of the exception, where we certainly didn't see every movie that came out, but selectively would go see ones. Like, you know, we went and saw... I saw Frozen in theaters, the first one. Um, I saw Moana in theaters, mm -hmm. Inside Out in theaters. So right. we'd, we'd go and see those here and there, but most other, like, movie studios 
catered towards children, we weren't really going and actively seeking those out. Right. Yeah, correct. Yeah, because it kind of was like that with, like, we were really big into Shrek, but Mm -hmm. then when, like, the third movie came out, like, we never saw that in theaters. No, I have seen the third Shrek, but it was like we rented it one time. Right. So, yeah, it was, like, one of those franchises where I think we weren't, we weren't, like, really that invested in them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, we certainly, I think, liked the first movie we had on DVD, and I remember watching it multiple times, but it wasn't, like, Toy Story, or, right. like, one of those where we, like, very much wanted to see what happened next. Right. Um, but yeah, so we, um, we watched six movies. <laughs> we watched six movies. We both kind of made the mistake, again, of time management, poor time management. Although, to be fair, Unlike Fast and the Furious, where you could find some enjoyment, like, the movies weren't necessarily amazing, but there's something you can take away from it. Some, like, cool stunts or actors or actresses that we like in the films. This one was just a lot of me trying to not fall asleep, trying to pay attention, trying to remember to take notes because I just didn't have any thoughts. It was mindless. It got to a point where it was just genuinely mindless. Yeah, I did briefly fall asleep during one of the movies. (laughs) I made the mistake of trying to watch two of them back to back and that, you know, didn't really pan out. Um, But yeah, so we're gonna just do a little discussion of the franchise. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll do backgrounds on the individual movies. And then again, as always, we've written our own summaries. Yeah, we have written our own summaries, and I, um, I'm currently sitting right next to a keyboard, so I'd like to give an artistic interpretation of how I think the Ice Age franchise went. Okay. That was the asteroid. Okay. Okay, that's fair. That's how I feel like the Ice Age franchise went. In my my own inter- artistic interpretation <laughs> as a um, amateur keyboard player. That's very fair. Yeah. Um. So j- this is just a little, just a little brief snippet on the franchise as a whole. Um. So it includes five films and then one spinoff film. There is talk of a film to be announced. Has not been. I don't think we're gonna get another film. I really hope we don't because, like you guys know, we've committed ourselves now to every Ice Age movie that yeah. comes out. Yeah, if any other ones come out, we have to watch it. We don't We don't no. want to watch another Ice Age movie. Um, Please. So, the first film came out in 2002, and it, the last film just came out in 2022. So, 20 years it's spanned. The 20th anniversary is this year. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the highest grossing media franchises of all times. There's been many video games that have come out. Uh, They've had a live ice show with the characters. Ice Age on Ice. Oh, fancy. They also, I think in Germany, have a theme park. Really? That is basically all the rides revolve around Ice Age. Why in Germany specifically? That's so strange. They must love Ice Age out there. So it's... $6 $6 billion in total revenue of, of, of as of 2016 was the last report I could find. Okay. So that is just the, like, breakdown of the franchise as a whole. We have more specifics for each movie. Yes. We're gonna slide in to the first Ice Age. Ah, yes. Okay, so I have the first film in this the franchise, which is Ice Age. It was released in 2002. It is rated PG and has a runtime of an hour and 23 minutes. 
So um, this was the first feature film from the animation studio Blue Sky Productions. So actually, this movie was pitched as a 2D animated film to be made by um, Fox Animated Studios, which was Don Bluth's animation company. If you don't know, Don Bluth did films such as like Anastasia, they did Secret of Nim, they did... What's that other one I'm thinking of? Land Before Time. That's probably the big one that most people would be aware of. But what happened is that um, eventually they were like, we don't want to do 2D animation anymore. The like the people who pitched it, they're like, we want it to be CGI because this was early 2000s and, you know, Shrek had come out. Pixar has been making movies. Like there was a starting to be a shift away from hand-drawn animation towards CGI. Don Bluth was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So he's like, I'm out. So they decided to give it instead to this new studio. So Blue Sky was originally like a VFX studio and they became like a movie animation production studio. So they got it. The director of this film was Chris Wedge, who also is the voice of Scrat, one of the founders of Blue Sky Studios. And this, I believe, was his first animated directorial debut. They somehow got like a ton of really well-known voice actors for this movie. So Manny the Mammoth is voiced by Ray Ray Romano. They initially wanted someone with like a big voice like James Earl Jones, who voiced Mufasa and Darth Vader, something like that. And eventually they decided on asking Ray Romano because they said his voice had like an elephant-like quality to it. John Laguzia, Laguzasmo. How do I pronounce his last name? Uh, can I see how it's spelled? It's it's L E G U I, Laguzmo. Laguzmo, I believe. Um, so he is the voice of Sid the Sloth. It said that he tried thirty different voices for the character, and eventually he saw something about how sloths store food in their mouths. So he tried to do something like sounding like he had something in his mouth, which created this like lisp Mm -hmm. um, voice that Sid has. Other voices that are in this first film include um, Goran Vicinic, who uh, was famously known as Luca in ER. He's one of the doctors in ER. Jack Black is in this movie. Cedric the Entertainer. Um, Stefan Root, who is the one of the actors from Dodgeball. Alan Tudyk is in this movie. Jane Krakowski. The guy, I'm sorry, I totally missed his name. The guy who's in Miss Congeniality 2 and was in the Drew Carey show. And Vampires Suck. Who's <laughs> Bella's dad, or Becca's oh. dad. I can't, I missed his name. Yeah. I didn't write it down. So they had, like, surprisingly large amount of, like, well-known actors who agreed to be in this movie. And also, they were encouraged to improvise a lot of their lines to add to the, like, chaotic nature of their, like, animation and, like, style they were going for. So originally, this movie was pitched as a drama. Um, But Fox wanted a children's comedy movie, so they were like, you have to make it a comedy. So the director and a lot of people involved like to refer to the first movie as a dramedy because they were able to keep some of those dramatic elements, but then made it very, like, slapsticky, you know, humor-esque intended for children. The character of Scrat was initially just introduced to be as, like, an opening sequence to the movie to include, like, a snow and an ice sequence, because the next, like, sequence actually occurring in the snow doesn't happen until 37 minutes into the movie. But test audiences liked him so much that they just kind of made him little vignettes throughout the whole movie to include him more. 
This is the only film in the movie that, in the franchise, that features um, humans. In this case, they are Neanderthals and not actually like Homo sapiens, but they'll just be referred to as humans. They also, the studio wouldn't show humans in any movie again until a decade later later in Rio, which came out in 2011. So um, (laughs) I just thought this was a fun science fact in that the dodos, they survived the longest out of any of the animals seen in this movie. Like, they lived longer than the mammoth, the saber tooth, the ground sloth, like, all of these animals, which I thought was funny because they make them out to be very, like, stupid, you know, birds. The character of Sid was supposed to be, like, a con sloth. Like, he was supposed to be conning characters and kids, like, out of food and money and stuff. And the scenes were cut from the movie, but you can still find them on one of the editions of the DVD. I don't know if it's the one we have or it's a different one. So this film was nominated for the Best Animated Feature of 2002, did not win. What movie do you think won? You have seen this movie. So it would have been the 2003 Academy Awards. Shrek? Shrek came out in 2001, so it was the year before. Shrek, I think, did actually win, um, though. I think you're correct in that. I'm trying it did to win think what came out around that time. Was it, like, Pixar or Disney? No. But we did have it. We had it Shark on... Tale? No, we had it on VHS. Oh, VHS. Mm-hmm. God. It's not Disney or Pixar. I'm trying to think what else it would have been. It is not a U.S.-based animation studio. Oh, so, like... Ghibli, Studio Ghibli, mm-hmm. uh, Spirited Away. Yeah, Spirited Away okay. one. So, I mean, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I would be concerned if Ice Age yeah. beat Spirited Away as Best Animated Feature. So this is the only Blue Sky movie to be nominated for this award until um, the movie Ferdinand came out in 2017. So they only re- received two Academy Award nominations throughout their entire run, as the studio has since closed down. Right. It has a 7.5 out of 10 on IMB- IMDb. IMDb. Yeah, IMDb. Three, it made $383.2 million in the box office. It was the highest grossing animated film of that year. And it holds a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 60% on Metacritic. So now I have my summary. First, there was Toy Story. Then Shrek and Monsters, Inc. And then we are given the buddy animated comedy movie of Ice Age. Blue Sky Studios' first feature film makes us ask, do we really need this movie? With horrifying early 2000s animation and crude slapstick humor, we join the ragtag group ragtag group of Manny the Mammoth, Sid the Sloth, and Diego the Sabertooth Tiger as they try to deliver a baby back to its family. The adventure brings with it a surprising amount of trauma and death that will never appear again in this series. I think, I think it's interesting because they don't do a lot of movies revolving around, like, the Ice Age, like, Mm -hmm. that time period. Yeah. I think that the humor for me, I was surprised on how much I felt like I actually did laugh because I was worried with Ice Age, well, and I was right about some of them, that the humor wouldn't be funny as an adult. Yeah. I felt like some of the humor still worked. I would agree. Some of, I've noticed in the first movie, they rely very heavily on, like, slapstick, like, Tom and Jerry humor for Scrat. That's, mm-hmm. like, that whole thing. And a lot of, like, crude, like, poop poop and fart jokes. Yeah. But some of the humor did work. Um, specifically just to 
to go to a specific scene. I remember as a kid, there's a scene with the dodos where they're fighting over these melons. And I thought that still held up. Yeah. I was surprised. I was like, I actually still really enjoy this sequence. And I thought it was really well done. Yeah, and I think, I'll get to it later with favorite mm-hmm. scene. I think my favorite scene of the entire franchise mm-hmm. is in this movie. Yeah. I would say that I think they do, maybe out of any movie, the best job of actually giving character development. Yeah. Like, there is a lot of trauma associated with Manny's character. Yeah. Because you find out um, his family was killed yeah. by humans. Like, you watch it in, like, a like a 2D cave drawing-esque yeah. animation. And so there's a lot of, like trauma and like you watch someone die like this mom jumps off a waterfall to escape diego who's Mm -hmm. trying to kill her to get her baby and she gives her baby to the mammoth uh, gives it to manny and then dies like basically it can't hold on any onto the rock anymore and dies and i would like forgot this was part of this movie and i'm like man that's like pretty heavy for, um, for a children's movie, you know. It it is. I didn't think I didn't remember that as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't think maybe I didn't realize what was actually happening. It felt very like onward with like the journey aspect. Yeah. So what I said is I said this feels like this movie wanted to be Shrek. Yeah. Because you've got the kind of like cranky main character in Manny. You've got this like annoying sidekick donkey in Sid. And then I don't know, Diego's kind of like the Puss in Boots. Yeah. Ask, but a quest to return a human, which Fiona. And it was like, you kind of, we saw that a lot at that time. You know, we had Emperor's New Groove, we had mm-hmm. Monsters, Inc., we had Toy Story. It was just like a very common trope. It was like the buddy, like, adventure comedy movie. What's the Road to El Dorado? Like, it was just like a very, very common trope in like the late 90s, early 2000s. But it's not a great movie. Like, I wouldn't. I'm not going to ever feel compelled to watch this again. Yeah. I will say it has one of the stronger plots. Yeah. Or stories. Stories, yeah. Like, I think... I mean, there's a very clear motives. And there's, like, um, conflict, internal conflict Mm -hmm. in some of these characters. You know, Diego has a lot of internal conflict. Uh, Manny has a lot of internal conflict. Like, I think they do a good job of developing these characters. I do, too. I think one of the issues, though, is I feel like this movie did a good job of developing, and then I feel like it kind of just all went to shit after that. Yeah. that uh, We'll talk about that in later movies. The the animation is really rough. Well. Like, really bad. Yeah. Like, worse than early Pixar bad. It is. The character models are, are rough. Mm-hmm. They're really ugly. The textures are really bad. Like, the characters don't look like... Like, they look like they're, like, two inches ahead of the background. Mm -hmm. Like, you can very clearly see the... And I understand that CGI was new and they were a new studio, but it it was rough. Like, the caveman, the Neanderthal, who's, like, the dad, there's a spot... Like, he looks like Lord Farquaad in scenes. He does. And, like, there's, like, some slow-mo spins. Like, I have a comment in here that says, like, slow-mo spin and I have, like, a crying face. You know, and they, like, only used one song throughout the whole movie multiple times. Because I assume that's what they had the budget for. (laughs) Yeah, that song. And so I I understand, like, this is a new studio. The first time working on a movie, I understand that there's going to be budgetary and restraints and technological restraints. 
It was rough, though. It was rough. <laughs> yeah, especially when you compare it to other movies at that time. Because yeah. you could easily say, oh, it's a time. It's it's a product of the times. That's what it looked like. But if you compare yeah. it to movies that came out around that time, it's not close. Well, Monsters, Inc. came out right. the year before. And, like, Shrek had come Shrek out, like, had come out. And I feel like those, while still early CGI, were able to at least look... Right. You know, they looked fine. Yeah. I also love how Manny has a 90s boy haircut yes like the middle <laughs> yes, part going. um but yeah i just think the movie in general is like it's an okay movie but it's not something that as an adult i would go yeah. back and like rewatch. um the other thing i just like this movie introduces a thing that will continue oh that's my heater Interesting something that will continue through i think every single movie maybe minus the last one is that there is always a joke calling Manny fat. Every mm-hmm. single movie. It's just like, I notice in every single one. Like, he, it's like a very common thing. And I'm like, do we need that? It's like, we've talked about the fat shaming jokes a lot. Yeah. And we tend to see it in a lot of 2000s. Oh, yeah. Um, even later 2000s, because some of the ABC Family pilots we had, did, yeah. like, had that still. Yeah. And I just think, like, again, we've said this many times. I it's know. like, it's just not necessary. It's not funny. It's not funny anymore. Um, yeah, it's not And funny. it's just, like, frankly, like, very offensive and rude. Like, I know, I understand that that was, at the time, was, like, that was just a very common thing right. to do in comedy. But, like, it's just, like, I don't know, especially when it's every single movie, like, the one in this movie wasn't as bad, because, you know, he's like, I'm just floofy. Like, I got a lot of fur. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, he's a big mammoth. But then it just, it never stops. It just, every single movie, there was a, the same joke over and over and over yeah. again. Yeah. And again, I think it's dangerous for, especially kids' movies, yeah. to have that in there. Like, it's not a good message. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, pretty much all I have. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think favorite scene, because I kind of already mm-hmm. mentioned it, is... The story of, like, Manny's, like, family. Yeah. Like, I really like that scene. Again, it's, like, one of those show-don't-tell moments. And I thought the animation was actually really cool for that. Yeah, they kind of went into, like, a 2D animation. It was, like, a storybook kind of animation, which was cool. I just really liked the emotion in that scene. I actually, like, was the only time I almost, like, actually teared up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I I did enjoy that. Yeah, I picked uh, a tie between that scene as, like, an emotional, like, actually had emotional levity to it. And I just always really liked the Dodo scene. That was my humor scene, We always were, like, we would go around going, Doom on you. Doom on you. Like, we, I remember quoting some of these lines, like, around the Dodo scene. So I just thought it was fun. Like, it was it was a scene that made me like Sid. Like, I thought he had a funny moment. Yeah. I have I have a hard time liking Sid. It is really, yeah. really, especially in the later movies. It's like, they make you want to hate him. Yeah, they do. So I thought it was a funny scene for him. Like, he's, like, you know, running through a field like a linebacker, you know, tr- like, stiff-arming people, like, stiff-arming the dodos and stuff. And I just thought it was funny. Line, um... I can get mine line because it's from the same scene. Yeah, go ahead. We always quoted this line... It's where there's, it's in the Dodo scene, they have these melons, and it ends up, there's one left, and you just, the Dodos go, the last melon. Mm-hmm. And I, like, specifically remembered us saying that a lot, so I just p- picked that as my favorite line. Yeah, I had a couple. That was one. The other one I wrote down, I, in the moment, I thought it was funny. It said, I think Manny was talking to the child, and he's like, what are you looking what are you looking at, bone bag? Your folds of skin wrapped up in mush. And I was like, what a way to describe a child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think character, I had a really hard time between Diego and Manny. Mm-hmm. I d- went with Diego because I think in 
watching it now as an adult, I'm like, it's actually kind of like, he's maybe the one who gets the most, like, complete arc. Like, he goes from, like, this tiger who's just basically trying to, like, kidnap this child for them to kill and ends up, like, realizing that... Like, he found people who aren't necessarily, like, his blood, but, like, who can become his family and, and grew a lot. So I think I liked his the most. But also Manny's, like, because he, I think he gets that emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I had the same conflict between Manny and Diego, and I also picked Diego. I really liked his story. I like that, like, he starts as a villain. He he causes a, someone to die, like, essentially, because he's chasing, you know, her and her child and is trying to kill this baby for his uh, his. The pack. His pack, That's yeah. the word I was looking for, for his pack. He tries to join the group to, like, you know, be with them to get this baby, and ends up, like, realizing that he likes this group, and he wants to protect them, and I think that, and, you know, is willing to die for that. So I think there's a lot of, like, really interesting conflict that is introduced that we will never see again. Diego, I'm just gonna say this now, Diego is the character... Every single movie past this one, he doesn't get anything to do. He has no plot. He has no conflict. The only movie we get more of him is when he is introduced a love interest. Yep. And that is it. And I, like, he is the most underused character in this entire franchise. And I don't understand why they couldn't find something for him to do. I've wrote multiple notes about I that. I was really upset because I'm like, I can't even, I couldn't even pick him as a favorite character in any other movie because he just didn't do anything. No, I didn't. There. I didn't either. I also said, I wish if any character would have gotten a spinoff movie, I would have loved a Diego like back, like a, mm-hmm. before he joined. You know what I mean? Like I would have loved to see his like upbringing, like how he became yeah. the way he did. Plus, I mean, Dennis Leary has a great voice. I, so yeah, yeah, I love his voice. Yeah. He also voices the um, ladybug in Bugs Life. Yes. He voices the fish in um, Finding Nemo. Yes. And lead actor of Rescue Me. Yes. And he's also the stepdad in Sandlot. Oh, yes. Yes. He's done a lot of stuff. We like Dennis Leary. We do like Dennis Leary. And that's all I have for Ice Age. Do you have anything else? Nope. All right. All right. Let's... Let's slip into the next one. Okay. Slip on the ice. Slip, slip, uh, slip and slide. Let's slip it into the next one. No, <laughs> no, let's not use that. Let's not use that uh, that exact phrasing to describe what we're gonna do to the movie, Hannah. Maybe not. Maybe let's rephrase that. Let's slip. Just sounds weird to me. Slide. Let's, slide? I already slide. Um, skate. Let's skate over to Ice Age: The Meltdown. This came out in two thousand six. Went up box office to six hundred sixty million, which basically mm-hmm. almost doubled the first one. It was PG an hour and thirty one minutes. It had a six point eight out of ten on IMDb, fifty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and a sixty percent on Metacritic. Directed by Carlos Saldana, and it was his directorial debut, which I did notice for a lot of the Ice Age, it was like the director's first movie. So this movie. Received a lot of mixed reviews from critics, but it was the highest grossing animated film of 26, 2006, and the third highest grossing film of 2006. Can you guess what the the two higher grossing films of 2006 were? One, I will say, is part of a franchise. Okay. So... Disney was not making good movies. It's not animated. Yeah, not I was going to say, because I'm like, I know some No, so yeah. it was the highest animated. Highest, oh, these are highest animated. Third highest okay. grossing films, so the okay. other two are not animated. 2006. Harry Potter? No. Okay. I'm trying to think what movies would have come out in 2006, like franchises. 
High... Oh, Star Wars? No. It is a franchise that we had most of the movies on DVD. I don't know. Can you give me a hint? Um, it kind of has to do with one of the later Ice Age movies. The theme. Or the characters. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Okay. Dead Man's Chest. Okay, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, the yeah. second one I'll just give you because I don't think you're yeah. going to guess. It was Da Vinci Code. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So it was Damn third. Brown. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so they announced in June of 2002 that they were working on a sequel. Uh, the working title was Ice Age 2. And other countries actually still have it titled Ice Age 2 The Meltdown. Whereas in the U.S. it's Ice Age The Meltdown. Right. Uh, the director wanted to change the eyes for this movie. He said he wanted them to be more alive and not, like, mechanical, which he felt like they were in the first movie. Mm -hmm. He wanted people to, like, be able to look in the eyes and, like, feel more emotion from the animals. Mm -hmm. um, it is the 66th highest grossing film of all time. The critics liked the animation and the humor, but had issues with the storytelling and the plot. And they did make a video game after this movie that came out, like, on, they said, like, GameCube, Game Boy Advance, and a couple other systems. There was a uh, a lady named Ellen Moore. She was a lecturer at uh, University of Washington, Tacoma. And she did a um, research slash, like, dissertation on this movie. And basically talked about how the film, like, while it presents climate change as a serious issue that threatens the characters, um, she believes that the issue is the film's vagueness about what is actually causing climate change, um, which she said undermines the scientific conscience that humans are causing climate change. Um, she also found that the story contains numerous references to Noah's Ark and believes that the religious themes is the reason why she thinks the films refuse to back climate change. I got a lot of Noah's Ark vibes. Yeah. Also, I wrote a note. I did not remember Josh Peck being I, a part of the franchise. I knew he was in the franchise, but I forgot that they appeared in this movie. Right. I thought they came later. Because I, like, knew that Josh Peck voiced a character in this franchise. I just didn't remember it was this, yep. this movie. Um, and I will now read my summary. Ice Age has returned with significantly less ice. In this installment that creators... Wait, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, sorry, In this installment, the creators tackle climate change, but forget to write a compelling plot. Manny miserably fumbles through trying to find love. Sid wants some appreciation. And Diego? Diego is there. Every popular actor and actress from the mid-2000s decides to make an appearance in this film that leaves you wondering, why exactly did we need a sequel? I can certainly agree the animation budget and the animation looks way better. It was so noticeable. I was like, okay, great. They got a budget. They fixed the animation style. I had no problems with, with the animation going forward from this movie. I have a hard time with this plot. Parts of it make me angry. Like, I was upset with a lot of the treatment of Ellie. So, essentially... Ellie is a mammoth. Basically, the, the beginning of this movie is them making fun of Manny for being the la arguably the last mammoth on Earth. And they just make fun of how he's an extinct species, which I'm like, that's not even funny. You know? No, that's horrible. Like, Sid just keeps making fun of, making jokes, and I'm like, this isn't even funny. They come run across Ellie. She's a mammoth who thinks she's a possum, because she was raised by a possum family, as, like, she lost her family. And... We introduce a romance element, and Manny is like, 
yeah, we need to, like, sleep together to have, to create more of our kind. And of course she's like, I just found out I'm a mammoth and you're immediately like, hey, we're going to get together. But then they make Ellie apologize for overreacting. I overreacted. It's my fault. And I'm like, really? We're not making Manny the asshole apologize for his shitty views and like ways of life. And we're going to make Ellie apologize. I was really mad. I was really upset by that. That scene pissed me off a ton. I like it. It would like ruin. uh, That was the. I was like, I'm done with this movie at this point. Manny gets the Woody treatment where they very much write his character to shit because I felt like the first movie he was actually a pretty like decent guy. Mm -hmm. You felt a lot of sympathy for him, and as the movies go on, he becomes more and more unlikable. I really did have an issue with him being like, "We need to have a kid to save our species," and she's like, "What if I don't want to?" And here's the thing. If they, if that was his viewpoint, and then they came back and they, you know, talked about his trauma of losing his family. He had a family, he had a kid, and he lost them, and he's, like, so, you know, like, this is making him, like, irrational. They never talk about it again. They never bring up that he had a family, that he had a kid, that, like, this life existed before. It just, like, disappears. And I think without the context and without addressing that, it's, like, it just makes him seem like a horrible person. Yeah. I also have an issue with the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was just very, like, weird. I think the plot feels like very much a lot of filler. Like, it doesn't feel like a lot happens. It feels very much like they didn't know how to make a movie that wasn't the same exact as the original Ice Age. And so they kind of tried to go a different route, but it didn't really work. I wrote a note that Sid is Alyssa sleeping. Because <laughs> he just, like, yeah. goes back and forth constantly. Yeah. Um, It just, it was kind of boring. So, there's this, like, very elaborate vulture musical number. It's like, food, glorious food, which I thought was really well done, but it just, like, appeared and then disappeared. It was so out of place. I was like, this is the strangest musical number I've ever seen in a movie. I wrote, is this a musical? Hold on, this actually makes the movie better. And I said I weirdly remembered this song, so obviously it's catchy. Right. The other thing, they have an incest joke? There was an incest joke in this movie. I must have missed it. Her brothers are like, the only people that they are here are like, are like Manny and whatever and us and we're her brothers. Oh, yeah. And I was like, excuse me? Yeah. I was like, what? It's like, uh, we don't need that. Little Game of Thrones. It's like, uh uh-oh. It's just a lot. I think, too, like, I didn't remember this movie as a kid being about climate change. I didn't either. Because I, I agree with that. what that yeah. lady said, where I don't think they make it very... I will say, though, I do like Queen Latifah's portrayal of yes. The only things I really remembered about this movie was the fact that Queen Latifah played a mammoth, and that's really all I remembered. Yeah, I yeah. didn't remember the climate change. I didn't remember them, like, trying to outrun a flood. Yeah. That just then... It, it exists for 20 seconds and then disappears. There's, there's very yeah. little, um stakes in this movie yeah. because yeah. it happened so quickly. That's yeah. why I thought the ending was a little bit weird because it just yes. like resolved very quickly. Yes. Um, I don't really have anything else. Okay. Do you have any like the best? I, my favorite line was the vulture, which I believe was, I think it was, um, what's his uh, name? He was married to Amy Poehler. Yeah. Will, Will Arnett. Will Arnett. Yeah. It sounded exactly like And he was, like, flying overhead, and he's like, do not leave your children unintended. All unintended children will be eaten. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I, I, uh, also wrote that down as my favorite Um, line. 
I thought the I put my favorite scene is the Vulture musical because I thought it was very entertaining. Yeah. Um, very out of place, but very entertaining. I also like the scene. There was a scene at the beginning where Manny's like telling a story about like to all these kids about what they did in the last movie, and all the animals are kind of just like chiming in, and then the one goes, "Sometimes I just throw up," yeah. and then there's just like dead <laughs> silence, and I was like, yeah. "I like that." Yeah. Um, character, I went with Ellie because mm-hmm. I didn't think anyone else had a compelling storyline. Like, Diego didn't have anything. Yeah. Sid just became more annoying and Manny no, was like an asshole. Diego's afraid of water, even though he ran through a river to chase a baby. Last yeah. movie. Plot hole. But now he's a, a terrified of water. Because they needed him to have a story, so that's yeah. what they came up with. Because he had to swim to save people. Um, But I just liked Ellie. I I love, like, Queen Latifah. Yeah. Her voice. Actually, I think she's a really good voice actress. I do, too. Um, I just felt like she, to me, was the one that I agreed with the most i felt like she had valid like her thought process and stuff was valid and all the other characters were just like not very likable to me yeah i picked ellie as well i like liked her storyline it was a bit weird like her being a possum but like she clearly experienced a lot of trauma from her childhood and like some people cope in different ways and and i liked all of her stuff in this movie i thought she was a well-done character and a good addition like to the franchise okay Okay, well, now we go to the third movie, which is Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. This movie came out in 2009, it's rated PG, and it has a runtime of an hour and 36 minutes. The plot originated from this movie as like kind of like a what-if question, like what if the dinosaurs were still alive somewhere? And they kind of revisited the first Ice Age movie. There's a part where they're, like, walking through a cave and they see all these random things. Um, and one of these things is, like, a, a dinosaur frozen in a block of ice. So that's where they kind of get inspiration from. This is the first 20th Century Fox film that was made in 3D. So this came out in 3D. There actually was some controversy around this because Fox wouldn't pay to supply 3D glasses to movie theaters. And a lot of theaters threatened that they would just not show the movie if they weren't going to supply the 3D glasses. Because it's like, we can't eat the cost of having to buy all these, you know? And you made your movie in 3D, you gotta supply these. There was a tie-in video game. The movie, again, was directed by Carlos um, Saldana, who directed the second movie. So... The character, a new character introduced in this movie is Buck, who is played by Simon Pegg, a British actor. He's a, a weasel, and he's based on a combination of Crocodile Dundee, Steve Irwin, and an explorer known as Frank Buck, which is where the a name originates from. This movie made $886 million in the box office. It's the highest, it was the highest grossing animated film of 2009. It's the highest animated gross, uh, it's the highest, like, grossing Ice Age film in the franchise. For a time... It was the second highest animated gross film of highest gross of an animated film of all time, only behind Shrek 2. So it was like made a ton of money. And the story of like Buck versus this dinosaur Rudy draws a lot of inspiration from the the story Moby Dick. So it has a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 50 out of 100 on Metacritic, and a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. All right. Now I have my summary. We follow our Ice Age friends once again as they stumble upon the secret underground land of dinosaurs and meet their new friend, Crikey, Buck the Weasel. Sid sucks as usual and steals some dino eggs, so the rest of the gang must rescue him. Fear will enter your body as you experience PTSD flashbacks at being told to, quote, 
walk the dinosaur in song form. The so- uh, like, I cannot even begin to explain that the song, like, it brought something in me, like a hatred that I forgot that I had. Like, it was on TV 15 times a day, constantly. Every single commercial had this this song playing. And I'm sorry, Queen Latifah, I can't believe you agreed to do this. I can't believe you were like, let's make, let me make this song. You're better than that. You're better than that. I will say, when the movie first started, I was like, oh no. Because I didn't think the humor had the, I thought the first two movies, the humor was pretty decent. And the humor just wasn't hitting for me. It felt very disjointed. And then the second half, I was like, you know what? It, it picked up. I thought the plot was decent. I actually really did like the animation in the dinosaur part. Yeah. Like, I thought the colors were very nice. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought animation, it was very appealing. Um, Buck's, like, not necessarily my favorite character. I did, like, think he added... I think he brought something, like, fresh almost to it. Yeah. Because I felt like a lot of the characters were feeling very, like, stale and, like, just not a lot happening. I didn't hate this movie as much as I thought I would. <laughs> I agree. Um, I was reading something about how the uh, animators and artists of this movie could take a lot of creative liberty because they were doing dinosaurs. And because we don't necessarily know what a dinosaur, like, coloring, they could just make them whatever color they wanted to. And they could design this, like, land to be very colorful and, like, vibrant, which they can't really do in a climate, like, of an ice age. It's a lot of whites and blues. So I really liked them being able to use all these colors. Mm -hmm. And... I thought, um, I thought Buck was interesting. He's not my favorite, but I, like, liked this new addition and this new character. Scrat stuff was entertaining. They yeah. introduced this, like, sexy squirrel, which I'm like, are we pandering to furries? Because, like, they made this squirrel, like, flying squirrel, like, really, like, they tried to make her, like, give her sex appeal. And I'm like, why do we need this? Um, there was a scene where Scrat was, like, tied up. And yeah. And she, like, came and, like, ran her finger along his body. And I was like, yeah. this is very, very sexual. <laughs> yeah, they had, like, kind of, like, a tango dance at a point. It was, like, a back and forth, like, they're fighting over the, the acorn. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of, like, the normal Scrat's chasing this acorn and, like, you know, all these shenanigans happen. It's like, oh, there's someone else involved. So I thought that was interesting. They removed Sid, which I thought was smart. Yes. They basically were like, let's get him out of here and kind of put him on his own for a bit and we'll rescue him. And that really worked for me because, again, Sid's not one of my favorite characters in this franchise. Unfortunately, this starts a trend that will continue throughout the entire series is Manny becomes this overprotective husband, overprotective, like, just constant worry, worry, like, doesn't let his wife and then eventually his wife's pregnant, his daughter, you know, He's just so overprotective and horrible. And Ellie is, like, the only competent person, like, competent um, character in this movie. She's the only one who's doing things and, like, actively helping. And Manny is just, like, I hated him. I really was like, we do not need this trope in every movie. They don't change it. It's the same goddamn thing over and over and over and over again. I don't understand why they they felt the need to do that. I think if they had done it one movie, I would have been okay with it. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it... Like I said, Manny's character just continues to go down hill. Yeah, it's Um, bad. The Sid storyline was just, like, really weird for me. Yeah, it was a bit weird. Um, I don't think the A, B, and C plot worked. No. I think that what I did like is 
Um, I had kind of enjoyed Buck's scenes where he was, like, explaining things. It yeah. reminded me of, like, Toy Story 4. Yeah. With, he's like, like, the key scenario. Yeah, it is kind of like the right? key scenario. Like, very fast-paced, yeah. very, like, kind of chaotic. And I thought that, well, I did like his scene. Hmm. There were, like, there were some things, additions that I really liked. And then there were yeah. things that I was just, story-wise, I mean, was like, this is, mm. Diego didn't have a story. No. I wrote, they really can't figure out how to make... Diego work, his plot line sucks. Yeah. Which is a shame because he went from being my favorite character to a character that I never was, like you said, able yeah. to pick his favorite character because he had no storyline. Yeah. Like this one, it's him. He wants to leave because he feels like he's not a predator anymore. And then it's like, I support you. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Yeah. I think... I think favorite character was Ellie again. I, I agree. I picked Ellie too for Bo- the same Bob reason. Bob was like okay, but also like he wasn't. I didn't love him. Yeah, he did kind of give me John Locke vibes. He does kind of have John Locke. Yeah, yeah, John um, Locke vibes. He does have that. I think that the scene where they were like on helium. Yeah, or the laughing gas. Yeah, the laughing gas. That was actually yeah. like, at first I was kind of annoyed, and then it got funny, and I yeah. was like, okay, this actually works. This humor is mm-hmm. pretty good. Did you have a scene? Yeah, I liked that one, and I also liked one of the scrap, like, vignettes where they okay. were, like, dancing. It was, like, a fight dance I thought was entertaining, at least. So I would pick those two. The line, there was one where Sid was like, well, the important thing is no one got hurt. Yeah. And then he's like, except that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I liked the line. Uh, Manny was, like, asking um, Buck. He's like, when did you lose your mind? Like, sarcastically. And Buck was like, oh, three months ago. He's like, I married a pineapple. Ugly pineapple, but Yeah. <laughs> All of us during the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, relatable. I'm there. I understand. Okay. Let's, uh... Drift. Drift over. I was going to say Fast and Furious Drift into Ice Age Continental Drift. Movie came out in 2012. Rated PG, uh, one hour and 28 minutes, and box office of 877 million. The IMDb was 6.5 out of 10, 37% Rotten Tomatoes, and a 49% on Metacritic. First note, like, for kind of ties into the background, is that Ice Age has gotten some really big actors and actresses over the years, especially this movie. There was a lot of people involved. This is considered the sequel to Dawn of the Dinosaurs, the last movie. So even though it's the fourth movie in the franchise, it's considered kind of a direct sequel to that movie. Uh, It was directed by Steve Martino and Michael Thurmer? Thurmer. Thurmier. Sure. Thermier, I think. Thermier. Yeah. Um, it received mixed reviews from critics. It was the fifth highest grossing film of 2012, highest animated, which I've noticed a lot of the Ice Age are the highest animated of the year yep. they're in. Mm-hmm. It also, which was very shocking to me, grossed more money than Breaking Dawn Part 2, which came out the same year. Really? And I wrote The Fuck. That's insane. It was very to me. close. Yeah. But I was like, I saw Breaking Dawn Part 2 twice in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> which I very rarely do that. I did not do that by choice. So, for promotion for this movie, they actually released two, three different minute segments from the film in front of other movies that like came out earlier. The film was advertised on a NASCAR driver's car in 2012. So, it's the second highest grossing movie of the franchise behind Dawn, uh, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Uh, 15th highest grossing animated film of all time. Critics felt that a lot of the movie felt like recycled items from previous films. 
And again, it was 3D. Um, complaints that, like one of the Step Up movies, that a lot of the action revolved around being 3D. And since we watched it in non-3D, you could tell. I could tell some of the scenes were, like, meant for 3D. Yeah, like a lot of the zoom-ins and, like, right. the, the way the angles were shot. Uh, there was, again, a video game created. Um, I now have my summary. In this fourth installment of Ice Age, the franchise ran out of ideas... And decided to go Pirates of the Caribbean route. Steve the Pirate is there as well. As seemingly every singer slash actor actress joins the film. The gang once again gets split up and spends one hour and 30 minutes finding their way back to each other. It's Game of Thrones versus Degrassi minus the extreme gore and teenage subplots. I mean, there's still some teenage subplots there. But not as many as not Degrassi. As, not as many as Degrassi. So... I, specifically, I just want to point out that I actually really enjoyed the scry opening bit in this movie. The fact that he literally went out into the Earth's crust and caused the separation of Pangea into the continents. I actually thought that was funny, and I liked that, and I, that is the last time I will say that I liked a scry scene in any of these movies. Just wanted to point that out. I feel like everyone who came into this movie is cashing a check. JLo's cashing her check. Drake is cashing his check. Nicki Minaj is cashing a check. They just, like, you can tell they're not trying that hard. Like, they just kind of, like, I watched many video essays on YouTube about this, about how animated movies and animated roles started to become focused more on the big, the big name actors and actresses in them as opposed to actually bringing levity and, like, good voice acting. And now, don't get me wrong, some actors and actresses do really good voice work but the problem is a lot of these people do not they're not trained for that so it's like i did not give a shit about j-lo's character shiva partly because she didn't bring a lot to that role but also they didn't give her a lot in that role so i think it's a fault of both the actress and the writers it was hard for me to to just hear all these voices like because i could hear rebel wilson I could hear Josh Gad. Josh Gad. Wanda Sykes. Yeah, Wanda Sykes. Peter is the Dinklage. Grandma. Was he the captain? Yes. Okay, I was trying, yeah. And it's just like so many roles that it just like was like, I just called the characters by their names, like the name of the actor or actress who's playing them because I just like didn't care. They didn't give you enough time to care about any of these characters. I think this is very much like Finding Nemo 2, mm-hmm. where I was very taken out of the movie by hearing all the voices. Yeah. I also, there was like a 16 year time jump. I think because the last movie ended with Peaches being born. Mm-hmm. In this movie, she's like a teenager. Well, animal years don't exactly work the same way as human Right, but years. there was yeah. like a time There's jump. There's a time jump, yeah. Um, I will say I actually did like Kiki Palmer. I did too. I, I just love Kiki Palmer I do. I know, I just like, I'm sorry to this man. Yeah. I don't, he could be walking down the street and I wouldn't know a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was actually someone who I thought it worked for her. Yes, character. I would agree. Kiki yes. Palmer, I think, is the one exception where I'm like, and I mean Josh Gad, I just yeah, I just he's fine. He's done voice and he's other done voice, voice work before. But yeah, Kiki Palmer, I did really like her edition. Um, the one note I did write though, I said, do you remember when in Fast and Furious when things started to get batshit crazy? Yes, this movie reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that it did feel recycled mm-hmm. plot points. I will say the B plot didn't really get much focus. No, the A plot was very much like the 
the whole movie, the whole chunk of the movie. And honestly, I kind of wish we didn't have the B-plot other than the beginning. I, I wish we kind of, like, focused yeah. on just the three and the pirate adventures, and then at the very end, we see them again. I didn't think we needed all the additional stuff. I didn't either. Yeah. Um. Again, I liked Ellie. I mm-hmm. thought her parenting was good. I liked yeah. how she, like, kind of approached talking to Peaches and stuff. I felt, like, pretty conflicted about the movie, though. Yeah, so here's here's what I think. They, like, catapulted into this movie immediately. You get, like, five minutes of, like, introducing, oh, Manny's the overprotective father. Like, Ellie's, you know, interested in boys. Oh, no. What a what a horrible thing. And then immediately it's like, and the comments all break, and we're separated. And I was very excited that we get the original three. It's just Manny, Sid, and Diego, and Juana Sykes ends up, the grandma, ends up on on this, uh, like, floating iceberg. And I was like, oh, like, maybe we're gonna get some character development because I felt like, especially with the way the movie started, is we had been introduced to so many new characters. But the problem is, is that we then get, like, another ten new characters. And because there's, there's so many, you don't get any time to develop anyone. Like, Shiva... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Has this, like, turn to good. But the problem is, is that it doesn't feel earned because there's not really any stakes or build up to it because we don't know anything about her. The only Mm -hmm. information we're given is that she left her pack like Diego left her pack, but we don't know why. We don't know what drove her to be in this like group and consider them to be her family. And we don't see that interaction. We just see that the captain doesn't give a shit about her. So it's just like... You're not given a reason to care. Yeah. I agree because I think as opposed to getting like a little bit of a Shiva arc, I would have rather Diego got more of a development or even like give Manny a little bit. I think the action was like pretty overkill. There were parts where I was like, okay, this is actually kind of working for me because it didn't feel as boring as some some of the past movies. But I think it just like, it didn't work. I, I just think that it was very like disjointed and like, it was so all over the place. And I, I didn't really love, love any of the characters mm-hmm. this movie. I didn't either. I kind of had a hard time picking a favorite because yeah. I didn't feel like a lot of them had. I just want to bring up one other thing. Um, so when I was watching this movie, I was like kind of distracted and doing something else. It was at the very end. And all of a sudden I was like, did I miss the part where like Diego and like Sheba get together or have a, like a final talk before the movie ends? Because it was like all of them kind of together. And I was like... Did I miss it? So, like, went back a few minutes, and they literally talked for five seconds, and that's it. He was like, you belong here. And she's like, okay. Okay. And then that's it. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, I'm like, that's it? That's, like, the conclusion? So it's just, I was, like, so thrown off. I'm like, why make this plot if you're not even going to do anything If you're not going to develop it. Yeah. Yeah, the other, only other note I wrote, I said, if all these animals could fit on that small piece of ice, I know Leo could as well. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be like, oh, Jack. Yeah. Um, Yeah, um, I'm ready for... Yeah, so I, favorite character, I don't know, maybe Manny, he was okay. He was better than he had been. I did like Scrat's opening bit. I guess Ellie, maybe. I just, I don't know. I had a hard time with a favorite character. I picked Peaches because it was Kiki Paul. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Pe- did I did I say Ellie instead of- You said Ellie, Okay, yeah. Peaches, yeah, Peaches, sorry. Kiki I feel Palmer, like Peaches, Peaches got a yeah. little bit of a character arc. Yeah. I think the best scene, I did like the first pirate fight. Like the Mm -hmm. first one where they kind of commandeer their iceberg. I thought that was fun, at least. Like, 
Oh, I did have one. Yeah. There was a scene at the end where all the guinea pigs, they're, like, really big and, like, yeah. up close. And then all of a sudden it zooms out and it's just, like, these tiny, soft, yeah. like, noises. I thought that was kind of yeah. funny. Um, um, do I have a line? Oh, this is the movie. So, I told Hannah that I was watching a movie and a line actually made me laugh and I was surprised because I was, like, not expecting it. So, there's a part where Manny is talking to the pirate ship crew and he said, I don't have the beginning of the line, but he's just, like... He's like, really, you're going to take me. You're a monkey, the Easter bunny, and a giant bag of pudding. Yeah. And that line actually made me laugh. And I'm like, okay, they got me. Like, I'm glad there was one line that actually got a laugh out of me. I just thought it was funny the way they, they described them. Yeah, I like that one. The only other one that I just, I relate to, it was Manny saying, yeah, the spiteful ones live the longest. I mm-hmm. said, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good great. to know. <laughs> yeah. I think All we right. should um snowball in. Yeah. To number five, Ice Age Collision Course. This movie is um, was released in 2016. It's rated PG and has an hour of a, ru- a runtime of an hour and 31 minutes, making it the longest movie in the Ice Age franchise. Did not need to be that long. <laughs> so it was. This is again directed by Michael Thurmeyer. It was the final film in this franchise cre- uh, produced by Blue Sky Productions, as they were uh, bought by Disney. Disney bought Fox. So therefore, they owned the Ice Age franchise, and the studio actually shut down in 2019? Uh, I think it was... 2021. 2021. So they shut down. The premise of this movie is rooted in, in another scene where they revisit the first movie, and they there's a part, again, where they're in this cave where there's a, a spaceship frozen in a block of ice in, in this like cave in, in the original Ice Age. So they went back and used this premise to be like, what if Scrat... Went to space and caused an asteroid to hit Earth. So this is actually where I think there's an interesting thing. So this is the only Ice Age movie to not gross more than the Pixar film that came out the year it was released. So I went back and found those films. So when the second movie came out in 2016, or sorry, not 2016, 2006 and Cars came out that year. 2009 was Up. 2012 was Brave, which you mentioned. And then 2016 when this movie came out, was Finding Dory. So Finding Dory made more money, made almost double the amount of money, or more than double the amount of money that this movie made. So this movie made $408.5 million in the box office, which is a pretty significant drop from the last movie. It has an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes, 34 out of 100 on Metacritic, a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. And I just found a quote from someone who reviewed the movie they described it as, quote, loud, lazy, laugh-starved cash grab. And I think that is a pretty good description of what I would say this movie is. Now I have my summary. Scrat finds a spaceship and launches into space, hitting an asteroid directly at a course towards Earth. The gang must save the day with eternal life crystals loaded into a volcano to magnetize the asteroid away from Earth. If that sounds convoluted, that's because it is. But if Neil DeBuck Tyson says it's fine, I guess it's cool. What was this movie? I This is the movie that I fell asleep during part of. I was like, I don't understand what's happening here. It was so chaotic. There was so much going on. 
characters introduced in the last movie, they just decided to get rid of. They were like, let's just not use any of these characters. Shiva is there. She has maybe five lines in this movie. Right. I'm like, could they just not get J-Lo or do they not care? Diego and her have a very D, like, D-level side plot where they want to have kids, but they scare children away. Yeah. And that's that. That's their plot. Um, I checked the remaining time. I don't know how many times during this movie. So many times. I had to take breaks. I watched yeah. this in like four chunks. It was so bad. Again, Manny's just an asshole. Overprotective father, protecting his daughter. She's Peaches is trying to marry this uh, Adam, you know. And divine. D- divine. And Ellie is also kind of complicit and he forgets their anniversary. Yeah. Sid's there. We also get experiences from Ron Swanson, Schmidt, and yeah. Rosa Diaz. And Ro- who is the, um, Mad- uh, Mirabelle, sorry. Um, I was saying Encanto. magical. Mirabelle from Encanto. And also, the c- actor who voices Sid voices Bruno in Encanto. Yes. So we have two characters from that movie in an Ice Age film. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I couldn't care less about Scrap's um, storyline. I thought Sid's animation had actually gotten worse. They brought ba- Buck back. He yeah. made, like, a very short cameo appearance in the last movie, but they were like, let's bring him back into this movie. It did feel like two different movies. With, it did. With Buck's story and then the yeah. main story. The whole plot of, like, them finding these eternal magnetic crystals that will, like, bring you eternal life. There's, like, a yoga goat who, like, they're all, like, over 200 years old, and Sid has a love interest in Jesse J, who's, like, obsessed with him, and he's obsessed with... Other sloths and... This whole story was disgusting. It was... I hated it. It was gross. It grossed me out. It was very much like Talk Everlasting. Yeah, and just, like, the whole premise is like, hey, let's... For some reason, they're like, it's this... They somehow know the asteroid's magnetic. Yeah. And they're like, let's make a giant magnet in a volcano. Well, they did They did explain how they knew that. Okay. Because the chunks had fallen off and they, they were all connecting together. Right. So that was like that. I, the rest of it didn't make sense. And then, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson has monologues about yeah. space and things, and it's, he plays a weasel. I just Neil said, DeBuck Tyson. This is why you don't make five movies. Yeah. It just, like, they were just cashing in. Yeah. There is no reason this movie needed to be made. There's no, like... Nothing to be gained from this. There's nothing that I found interesting or new or fresh. It's just, it's it's not anything special. Yeah. There's nothing, there's no reason anyone needs to watch this movie. No. I, I actually don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm good. I'm good to um, move on. I don't. So, I'm just going to tell you, I just wrote none for all. Best yeah. character, best scene, best line. I just wrote none. I just refused. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I actually don't have anything. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, don't. I was like, I, there's nothing that brought me joy, so therefore I cannot have favorites. Okay. Yeah. Let's just move on. Great. <laughs> uh, now we get into the Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. Okay. The movie came out in 2022. It's rated PG. It's an hour and 22 minutes. 4.8 out of 10 on IMDb. 24% Rotten Tomatoes. 30% on Metacritic. Directed by John C. Donkin. Was a spinoff, a standalone sequel to Ice Age Collision Course, and only one member returns from the original voice actor cast, which was Simon Pegg, who plays Buck. Every other voice actor was recasted. It was a Disney Plus original film. 
Uh, the critics criticized the humor, the writing, the animation, the recast of the voice actors, the lack of lack of focus on the title character, absence of scratch, decision scratch, to scratch. scratch. You said scratch. scratch. Yeah, so so much I care about him. Absence of scratch, uh, decision to continue without involvement of Blue Sky Studios. So basically, they criticized every single aspect. Um, this was originally supposed to be a TV series that focused on Buck, which I wish it would have been, because then we wouldn't have had to have watched it. Me too. Blue Skies, like Alyssa said, had closed in April of 2021. They were never involved in any part of this film, which shows. The animation was outsourced to Bardell Entertainment in Vancouver. Uh, and there is a potential possible future movie by Disney in development. If the audience wants it, Disney, we do not want it. <sighs> Now my summary, which was the quickest I've ever written a summary okay. after a movie. Yeah. Disney made the Ice Age spinoff no one asked for, and in the process managed to recast every original voice actor and actress minus one. Somehow a movie made in 2022 has worse animation than Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <laughs> the movie focuses on three side characters that didn't deserve more screen time, and will leave you wondering, why didn't we get a Diego origin story instead? So, I just have one other thing. I actually saw an article oh, about this yes. recently. So, I don't have any written down. I should probably find the artist's name. But essentially, Disney does not own the rights to Scrat. They lost those rights. So, this is the first movie in the franchise that doesn't include Scrat in it. So, essentially what happened is a artist claims that she is the, the person who invented Scrat. Like, she pitched the idea of Scrat. The artist's name is Ivy Silverstein. So she said that the idea came to her from a sighting she saw of a cross between a squirrel and a rat that she says that she saw in a park. Now, I'm not a, like, expert. I only have a degree in zoology, you know, so I maybe know some things about mammals and how that works, but I'm pretty sure you can't breed a squirrel and a rat together as they are not in the same family. Maybe. <laughs> so, like, I don't think that's a possibility. I could be wrong. I didn't do a lot of research into it, but just based on what I know about basic biology of, like, how reproduction works. But anyways, so she filed a, a suit of copyright against 20th Century Fox in 2002. In 2003, in court, a judge ruled that she and 20th Century Fox were both equal owners of the rights to Scrat. She then continued to try to reclaim full ownership of the character, as she is said to have created it, and Disney bought Fox in 2019. They own, so they own the rights to Ice Age. So in, oh, so in January 28th, 2022, so very recently, Essentially, when the movie released, her and Disney went through, um, like, trying to find a solution to this, to this like, dispute. And she now owns the trademarks for Scrat. Like, she now has complete trademark and, like, ownership of Scrat. So they said that it's, like, a really good sign for artists and ownership because there's a lot of issues where artists do not maintain ownership of things they created. So they said that that's a good sign for, like, future disputes between corporations and artists. But essentially that is why Scrat is not in this newest movie is because these disputes were ongoing in the time of production. So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, the animation sucks. The animation is 
horrible. I cannot believe this movie came out in this year, 2022. You are showing me a picture. The models of these characters, there's an image of Sid that literally it looks like a video game character. It looks like the original Ice Age model. It is so bad. We were we were talking about this earlier today, but we described it as similar to Disney doing the direct-to-home um, sequels to their animated movies. They do, like, uh, Aladdin and uh, Little Mermaid and Lady and the Tramp, and they would use kind of, like, bad animation and just send it off, like, direct-to-home, which is kind of what this did, where it was just streaming. Uh, did This is, did not get a theatrical release, and thank God, because it didn't deserve one. I don't know what they were thinking. Clearly the people behind this were not involved with any of the previous movies. Whoever thought giving Crash and Eddie a starring role with Buck were out of their minds. It's just, honestly, it's boring. Yeah. The camera work is weird. There's weird zoom-ins. The characters are, like, not entertaining. This villain dinosaur is boring. It doesn't make any Mm -hmm. sense. I don't know. I wish that... They would have just not had the original characters in it. Yeah. Because they yeah. recasted all of them. I thought they were barely in it anyway, so yeah. just don't include them. Also, like, hearing the new voice actors just made me want the old ones yeah. back. <laughs> Manny was like, we were like, is that Ray Romano? Yeah. Because like, it was maybe. like a pretty decent yeah. impersonation, then it just like went really bad. I just, I don't know. Like, the plot is doesn't make any sense and is boring mm-hmm. and like... The middle was very slow. The middle was slow, and I was telling Hannah, we watched this one together, so there's a Zorilla, like, doesn't exist anymore, mammal, similar to a skunk, and she is, like, one of Buck's, like, old friends, and they have a training montage an hour into the movie of, like, her trying to train Crash and Eddie the Possums, like, fighting against these dinosaurs, and I couldn't believe that they... That they had a training montage that late. Like, we're the movie was only, like, an hour and 15 minutes. So 15 minutes before the movie ends, they had a whole, like, two to three minute long training montage. Mm-hmm. The other thing, this movie starts with the cave drawings that they've, you know, they've done in previous times. But they were, like, recapping all the movies. Which, it has been six years since the last movie came out. So I guess that's understandable. But they didn't even have their daughter in the cave drawings. Yeah. And Shiva doesn't exist in this movie. Like, Peaches doesn't appear. None of these characters exist. Like, they just don't, like, appear or, like, even get mentioned. And that was just, like, so jarring to me. Yeah. I The thing I think I was also disappointed with is I just talked about how I really like the animation in Dawn of the Dinosaurs, how yeah. they did that world. Mm-hmm. The colors in this one were so muted. Like, it didn't yeah. look anything like the original. It was just boring. It... <laughs> Wait, there's no there. reason for this plot. No. There's no reason for the movie. I actually didn't even have any favorites either. I wrote no for all of them, except under best scene I wrote no, and then I wrote the end was my favorite. Yeah, when it The ended. best scene was when it ended. <laughs> yeah. Um, Don't watch this movie. No. There's no reason to give this movie any views because we don't need another sequel. They don't deserve to get another sequel after releasing this in 2022. Yeah. This looks like something that would have come out in, like, 2005. Even, but not, but that, but that would have been better. Right. Like, this looks like a, like, somebody just made an animated movie, like, by themselves, you know, on their own on YouTube or something like that. Like, I cannot believe that Disney put that out. No. It's an embarrassment. I'm sorry to anyone who worked on that movie. I don't mean to offend your craft. I just, like, can't, you can't put that out. That was bad. You can't put that out in 2022. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, let's go into rankings. I don't want to talk about anymore. All right. Well, number six is Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. I'm just going to yeah. keep this short. The movie straight up sucked. Animation is garbage. It's not funny. And I don't want to say more about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to no surprise, this is also my number six. It sucks. It has no redeeming qualities. Nothing about it makes me happy. And the ending song is about bad boys. Yes. And I don't understand why they thought that would be a good idea. Number five, I went with Ice Age Collision Course. The movie is boring. The writing is worse. Uh, not funny. And all the characters sucked. <laughs> Number five, I also have Ice Age Collision Course. It has an 18% Rotten Tomatoes. I think that says everything you need to say. It's uh, plot's overdone. They don't give anything new to any of these characters. The plot is boring. There's nothing redeeming about it. Number four, Ice Age Continental Drift. Uh, plot feels very tired and used. I was taken out of the movie by moist, most of the new <laughs> moist, moist, moist. By most of the new voice actors and actresses I recognize, and it feels very over the top. Yep, same. Number four is Continental Drift. Of all the new characters they introduce, I don't care about any of them. They don't have interesting plots. We get this weird hedgehog josh gad that st stands up to the evil and like as a hero but like who cares i don't and he never appears again and he never appears again number three is ice age the meltdown uh the humor was good the ending was weird i think the movie's boring it feels like a lot of plot filler and not much happens I also have Ice Age The Meltdown as my number three. I really like the introduction of Ellie. I think she's a very interesting character, but the plot was really not fun. The humor wasn't super great. It just, like, wasn't, like, a fun movie to watch. <clears throat> number two is Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs. I think the plot is pretty strong in this movie, um, the second half really did save the movie for me, and I thought the animation actually was maybe one of the my favorite animations out of all the movies. Yeah, number two, I put Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs because a lot of that comes down to, like, designs. Like, they were able to have a lot of creative freedom with the color designs, with this new world. Um, the plot was, I thought, pretty good. The the animation was really good. The choices they made, like separating Sid, bringing in this new character, s setting up this plot, I thought were pretty well done, comparatively. Number one is Ice Age. It was always going to be number one. Uh, I think the humor is actually still funny as an adult. The movie has the strongest plot. There's actual character development for multiple characters. Um, and I think as a complete movie, it's the, the best well done by a good amount. Yeah, number one, I also have Ice Age. I think that this is the worst animated movie, even worse than Buckwild, but it has a full plot, it has character development, it has humor that I think works, it has characters that I care about. There's enough development that I care about them, and I think it still holds up pretty well 20 years, you know, later. So it had to be number one <laughs> out of protest. All right, running through, number six was Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild, Ice Age Collision Course, Ice Age Continental Drift, Ice Age The Meltdown, Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs, and then the original Ice Age. And my list is the exact same as Hannah's, so I'm not going to repeat it. We actually, yeah, we had a, the exact same list. Six for six. I actually, when I was going through the ranking, I was like, Alyssa's probably going to have the exact same, if not maybe one difference. I thought the only I thing that could be different and, and Dawn of the Dinosaurs yeah. were the only two that I was like, I could see it going either way. I didn't think the rest would be in any place different. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so that was, um... This was, this was worse than Twilight. Fast and the Furious, and this was worse than Twilight, in that it just, 
it wasn't that it was like bad and but in a good way it just was bad yeah you couldn't even like make fun of like the badness of it because it just like it just like sucked my soul out of my body having to watch these especially because the time management and the fact that i didn't want to watch them made me have to watch them in quick succession yeah um, I don't like you, Hannah's coworker, who recommended that we do this. This did not bring me joy. No. In any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Frankly, I'm glad it's over. Yeah, me too. Oh, thank I've God. I've never been so relieved to finish. I know, we're done. The series. And we're done with movies for a bit, so. Yeah, uh, next week we're doing some more food. Oh, yes, we are doing more food. We're food heavy this, uh, early on. But it's winter, so we gotta stock up. I also think we need some joy. We do need joy. And you know what brings me joy is food. If you heard from our cheese episode, we had a lot of joy. I think that's why I felt we needed to do that one first. Is because that last episode that came out brought us a lot of joy, and this one did not. Yeah. But if you want to reach us, uh, we have our Instagram, our Twitter, we have our Gmail, r3podcast at gmail.com. Let us know why you hate Ice Age. Yeah, if there's someone out there who, like, loves the new movie, I just don't even talk to us. Yeah. We don't want to hear it. No. We're not even interested to know why why you like it. I don't want to know. We don't want to know. This is the first time I'll say this. Like, we don't want anything. We don't want any praise. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening, if you made it this far. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you if you Yeah, didn't. I know. If you want to shut this off halfway through, <laughs> I have no problem with that. Yeah. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank Joseph McDade for our intro music. He provides free music available for all kinds of creative use. The song that we used is called Sunrise Expedition, and you can find it and his other music on his website, josephmcdade.com. If you would like to reach us, you can email us at r3podcasts at gmail.com. That's R, the number three, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram by searching research rank repeat.